The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by Hello, fellow believers. This is Austin Fletcher, and you are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to join me. Um, this is episode number three, and today we're going to talk about honor. Um, this is the second part of a few lenses that we want to talk about for getting New Age Christianity off to the right start. If you're just now joining this community, honor is a big part of what I believe the world is missing. Um, we have yet to figure out how to listen to each other, disagree with each other, and still be friends. It's an art that has been lost in our culture, and I don't know about you, but I feel like the church is probably one of the first places you should be able to find that skill. And make no mistake, it is a skill honoring and understanding the intricacies that go on inside of relationships is one of my favorite subjects. and. Well, let's figure out how to do this. As usual, let's get going. All right, so here we are, episode number three. Oh, man. So the overall idea that... um, I'm trying to convey in these first few episodes is culture for a community is non-negotiable. You're going to develop a culture regardless of your intention to do so. And so I, I kind of find, I, I think that uh, intending to build a culture is better than letting it build itself. And by all means, you know, yesterday, last week's episode um, about uh, the end times and hope for the future. I think that's the most important filter, the, the most important thing that uh, sets New Age Christianity. And it's New Age Christianity is not the only Christian um, system, if you will. Not that we're a system. I don't even know what we are yet. Uh, maybe someday we'll be a system. But anyways, New Age Christianity is not the only belief uh, system that believes in preterism or hope for a future. But it is rare. And I think it is one of those things that absolutely has to set the tone for why a group of people would even get together, why a group of people would dare to believe differently. And right behind that is, so what is this group of people like? Relationally, emotionally, uh, can I trust them? Are they just like all those other systems where it's, you get used and abused? Is it like those systems where it's, a lot of try harder, do better? Is it like those systems where no matter what you do, um, you never really seem like you're part of it? And the hope is obviously no. Nobody sets out to build a community of people that is surface level. Nobody says, oh, you know what? I have an idea. Let's build an organization that has no life in it. (laughs) If people do set out to do that, well, they seem to be doing a pretty good job. But uh, let's be honest, that's, that's not what people set out to do. They want to they wanted help people. They want to change people's lives. And so I think one of the main reasons why it just doesn't seem to work very often is what we're going to talk about today. And that is the culture. The culture that you build, or, or better yet, the culture that gets built, um, is going to happen and it's going to really end up being the main filter that nobody talks about the main driver that nobody thinks about is just in there. The American culture versus European culture versus, you know, Latin cultures or Middle Eastern cultures. I mean, we instinctively know that all you have to do is immerse yourself in an unspoken set of rules, an unspoken set of expectations, and you become someone. And we do that everywhere we go. There's a culture at your office, there's a culture in your household, and there's certainly a culture in the people that you believe with. And so if you don't know what I'm hinting towards, we're hoping to build a culture of honor, 
Um, and yes, that is a book title. And yes, Danny Silk is one of my favorite communicators on anything having to do with relationships. No, he is my favorite. I mean, the dude has just got some insights that will blow your mind if you've not read any of his stuff, um, if you've not heard any of his teachings. Um, I highly recommend his book, Culture of Honor, and I highly recommend his book, Keep Your Love On. Both of those are, I mean, they've changed my life and they've changed the community that I surround myself with. Um, And I keep hinting towards us and we and community. And if you've never um, met any of us and somehow you stumbled on this through a search engine or whatever, um, I've largely been surrounding myself with a group of people that, you know, we've been earmarked by, we love Jesus, we want to be serious about our faith, but we just can't do church anymore. And so um, it's ebbed and flowed anywhere from, you know, a dozen to a few dozen people. Uh, It's mostly been kind of a house church concept. Um, It's growing right now because, well, tools like this, um, I have, I'm a teacher by heart, uh, at heart, I should say. And uh, the the number one thing this community has been asking me for for a few years is, you know, Austin, can you please share this stuff so that we can share it with our friends? And so, yeah, there's, there's I don't know, somewhere between, depending on how you count it, anywhere from, you know, a dozen to a couple hundred people that I would say are part of this community. And every time I consider what that community could become, there are a few things that I just know are non-negotiable for me. Last week's episode on hope for the future is one of them. And this week's episode on honor is the other. And um, I'm calling this episode uh, three keys to not being an ass. Because let's be honest, that is really, that is really how you keep your place in a community is you just, you know, you may not necessarily know what your place is on the on the action end or like, I'm here for this or I'm here for that. But at very least to stay involved and to stay part of a community, you just, sometimes the goal is to just not be an ass. So, um, that is the, uh, the trick, um, for someone like me, who's a pretty strong personality. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself right now. Um, I've, it's taken a long time for me to hold my opinions and hold who I am in balance with who other people are, because I have these beliefs that other people, oh, crazy, shocking idea, other people have value, and their opinions have value, and maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think through my conclusions very lightly, so admitting I'm wrong requires other people to jump a lot of hurdles and go through a lot of doors before I'll go, oh, Maybe that is something I hadn't thought of. And I don't do it on purpose. I just, I have strong opinions and I'm one of those people that is comfortable in my opinions. I've been crucified so many times, I've lost count. So it doesn't scare me to be in disagreement. Um, And it doesn't scare me to be wrong. I just don't take that process lightly. And so I've had to learn how to do all that without being an ass. And that is kind of some of the insights I feel like I want to share because this community is going to have a lot of people like me. That's how life works. I'm a teacher of a certain sort and I'm going to attract certain people that are like me or at least close to my personality. And so I don't want to be in a community with a bunch of know-it-alls. I don't want to be in a community with a bunch of people that are so set in their ways and their opinions that, that New Age Christianity becomes known as one of those groups. You know, this is not a Westboro Baptist stand at the street corner and tell everyone they're wrong. And nor is this, you know, a community that asks a bunch of questions and doesn't have answers. Um, We have answers and it's okay to have answers and there's nothing wrong with it. But how do you do it honorably? And so the three keys to not being an ass are number one, if you get offended at anything, being offended is your fault. And I'll explain it. But being offended actually has nothing to do with what other people uh, are doing or saying. It is 100% your fault. And um, it's actually one of my favorite things to do is be offended. (laughs) Because it is 
one of the best tools at our disposal for us to grow. And I'll explain that. The number two, you know, um, is discussions or, or arguments. They're not about agreement. Life is not about agreeing with everybody. Life is, and this, and those things, they're about understanding people. If you, and I think I've mentioned this in, in a, in the previous episodes, maybe the first episode where if you're involved with any discussion, um, online, in person, around the Thanksgiving dinner table, uh, which is coming up, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, it's, if you're in the dis- in the arguments or in the discussion in order to get everyone to agree with you, it's not going to work. It it rarely ever does, and the only way it does work that way is if that is the premise of the discussion. Um, and nobody, people rarely go in and say, "Okay, the point of this discussion is to come out with a common conclusion." It's usually the point of this discussion is for me to convince you that I'm right. And well. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different revo- results. I stopped doing that. And guess what? I'm no longer insane. <laughs> so, and then lastly, the, uh, is knowing who you are. If, 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 if you don't want to be an ass, the last key is knowing who you are. Because knowing who you are, in short, and we'll, we'll unpack all of these, knowing who you are allows you to not be, one, so easily offended, but it it also allows you to just understand people and walk away and and not be challenged by a difference of opinion. And last but not least, you're not threatened by other ideas. Um, most most uh, honor just throws out gets thrown out the window when you feel threatened, and people feel like they weren't heard or the other person is offending God or offending a minority group. Or whatever, we get offended and we get hurt and we get threatened by so many ideas. And if you look at Jesus and you look at his life, how many times did he get threatened by something the Pharisees said? How many times did he get up in arms? No, he was constantly in control. Not because he was trying to control them, but because he wasn't trying to control them. Think about that. He had control because his goal wasn't control. God is not the great control freak in the sky, by the way. That's a whole nother discussion about honor between you and God. But he's not trying to control your life. And if you think, you know, <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite slash least favorite memes that I've seen is this little boy going up to his dad. And it's, and it's this prayer that says, you know, dear dad, I give you my life. Use me however you want. Uh, you know, even if I don't want to do it, make me do it. Even if I don't think it's right, make me do it like this whole discussion between him and his dad. And if you read it, it's essentially a prayer that most Christians pray about God control me. Even if I don't want to, even if I don't like it, even if I don't understand it, even if I, even if I'm kicking back against it, force me to do it. And the father's sitting there like, why on earth would I do that? Anyway, so even God honors you because he's not trying to control you. And so Knowing who you are removes the need for controlling people. So those are the three keys to not being an ass. Let's, let's dive right, right into, uh, into, into one of the first one. By the way, if me saying ass bothers you, I'm sorry. I don't plan on cussing a lot, but language is useful. Language has purpose. And when you're no longer under the law, um, there is freedom to use language appropriately and I think that's a very appropriate use of the word. So being offended is your fault. Uh, If you've been on the website, newagechristianity.org, you may see, you should see somewhere on there, there's a a recording, a discussion between myself and and a woman by the name of Kayleen Hale. Um, She's a spiritual daughter of mine, and it's, uh, we just love, we're both verbal processors, so it makes it very easy for us to go through and just talk about stuff for hours. And we recorded one of those sessions about offense. And um, I highly recommend watching it. The audio is not the best, but um, it's there's a lot of little nuggets in there. But some of the big ones that I've taught for years is when you're offended, the only reason you can get offended is if there's a hook in you that somebody can grab onto. Let me explain. So if you're, uh, I'll pretend like, now, I won't use guys, girls. Let me, 
you something so outrageous. If I genuinely came up to you and said you were the ugliest dolphin I've ever seen, you would certainly not be offended. You would be confused because you're not a dolphin, right? There's nothing true about you being a dolphin. There's nothing true in my statement. And you're going to think one of two things. Either I'm a crazy person and you're going to feel bad for me because I'm a crazy person, or you're going to laugh because it was funny. Um, And I'm not saying that was a funny joke. It's just an example of like, you're the ugliest dolphin I've ever seen. There's nothing true. Therefore, there's nothing to hook onto you unless for some reason you've wanted to be a dolphin and that's offensive. Um, But offense is a window into your own beliefs. It's a window into your spirit about what you think about yourself. And so when someone says you're fat or you're ugly or you're the ugliest woman I've ever seen or the ugliest man I've ever seen or you're stupid or you're not, you're not smart or you, or you uh, and each, each of us has our own triggers. Um, you know the difference between being stupid and not smart? Depends on your history. Depends on what people have told you. Depends on what your trigger is. Because people who know they're not stupid, but they don't necessarily think they're, they, their definition of smart is yay high, one can be offensive versus the other. And so it's a tailor-made opportunity for you to figure out what you still don't believe about yourself or what you still do believe about yourself. So for me, it, for the last few years, because I've worked so much on these things, I've gotten to the point where when I get offended, I have learned how to let that be a gift. And when people tell me something, you know, for instance, uh, one of my biggest challenges is I can teach and I can communicate things in this way fairly, fairly well. And people regularly tell me, wow, Austin, that just makes so much sense. When you say this or that, it just makes sense. But then when it comes to relational stuff, I have some patterns in my life where I try to share things, whatever, and people hear things and I, and I offend them and then, or I get overly offended by them. And so when those moments happen, instead of blaming the other person or blaming circumstances, I pause and it's become a very quick, almost immediate realization that, wow, I just got offended. What did they just, what button did they just push? And by the way, it's okay to leave some of those buttons. Like you don't, this isn't about becoming a doormat or becoming stoic and having no engagement with your emotions, right? This isn't about someone walking up to you, punching you in the face and you not being offended. Like, yes, it's okay to be offended by being punched in the face. But especially with emotional stuff, if you can intentionally pick and choose the things that offend you and say, no, no, I'm, I'm, it's okay for me to be offended if someone calls me fat because that's wrong and it's mean and I don't like you. Um, but if you have to deal with some internal self-image issues and you're not okay with being fat and you're, and it goes beyond offense into uh, hurt and anger and depression and whatever, there is a, a skill to figuring out how deep the offense goes, how real the offense is. Is it okay or is it not okay to be offended in that area? And so I've learned how to immediately flip the switch. And when somebody offends me, I let the emotion flow. I don't just shut it off. I let the emotion flow and I give myself sometimes a few minutes. Usually it's it maybe 60 to 90 seconds where I just like, okay, that person just pissed me off and I'm going to not say something for a bit. And those who are close to me know when I'm in that mode because I genuinely don't say something. <laughs> like I just kind of talk and, you know, I clench my jaw and I look at them and I give it a moment and then I realize, okay, what did they just say that offended me? What is the hook or the button that they just pushed? And 
It has become one of my favorite moments because I take personal growth so seriously because I want to be like Christ. And I'm thankful for the people in my life who believe in me enough to let me process that. And um, especially those who are really close to me, uh, they've, I mean, heck, they're the closest ones to me. They've been the primary sources of my offense. And yet I'm still friends with them because I've stopped thinking that real friends don't offend me. As a matter of fact, it's not a matter of friendship or not. It's a matter of time. Give your spouse time, give your kids time, give your friends time. You just hang out with people they are going to offend you because in the world, offenses will come. Um, but what do you do with them? And so what I do with them is I turn them into a gift. I turn them into something that spirit gets to say, hey, Austin, you haven't thought about this in a while or you didn't know this existed. And by the way, you give it enough time, you will eventually start hitting ones you didn't know were there um, because you've hopefully worked through the ones that you did know were there. And in that, by the way, there is a skill, a secondary skill. The first skill is being able to intentionally switch your flip, (laughs) flip, flip your switch from being offended to seeing it as a lesson and a gift. So that's the first skill. And the second skill is assuming the, the best of the other person's intentions. Sure, there are people in your life that will offend you on purpose. Those are probably not people that you want to take too many lessons from because they're just jerks. Um, they are asses and they want to be asses. And so just move on. But I think most of the real deep offenses for us, they come from people we love. They come from people who love us. And the reason they're so hurtful is because we love them and they love us. And so when that's the case, is it, is it far-fetched to think that maybe they didn't mean to hurt you? Is it unreasonable to think that maybe if they did mean to hurt you, that it was out of their own hurt? And so it's safe, in my opinion, to assume the best about other people's intentions. And when you do that, you would be amazed at how differently scenarios look. And when, when, when you play over in your mind the discussion that you had with that person and you back out and you go, okay, I know who they are. They love me. They would never do this, this thing I'm feeling over here. They would never intentionally make me want to feel that, or they would never want to make me feel that. So what did they mean? What were they trying to say? Were they hurt? Um, So on and so forth. So those are two skills that when you're offended, you can actually turn on a couple switches and you learn how to do it quickly. So it doesn't take you three days to remember, oh yeah, I was offended. There was a hook there. In the beginning, it will take you time, but eventually you can turn those things on uh, right away. And you can be in the middle of the conversation one minute after they said it, and you're still engaged and loving them and strong in who you are. And you're letting the energy flow. You know, offenses are great. Um, you're not blocking it. And you're not beating yourself up because you felt it. You're just being thankful for the opportunity to see deeper into your own soul, deeper into your own spirit, and deeper into your own beliefs. And if you have the right relationship with those people, you can process it immediate, immediately. And some of you aren't that. Some of you need to go home and sit with it. Whatever you got to do, do what you got to do. But growing those two skills, flipping the switch of seeing it as from moving it from an offense to a gift and flipping the switch of assuming that they, the best, assuming the best of the person in front of you or the one who did it to you. So that's key number one as is if you get offended, it's your fault. Um, because guess what? If you can flip those two switches, you will get offended less and less and less. And more and more insults will sound like somebody called you an ugly dolphin. Uh, because it just won't make sense. Because it's not true and it's not who you are. So I, there's, there's uh, more on that in that discussion with Kayleen on the website. And I'm sure that'll be something we talk about a lot in the, in the uh, episodes to come. So... Key number two is that discussions slash arguments are not about agreement. So here's the thing. If we're going to develop a culture of honor and 
we can get a culture that's not constantly offended. That's great. Now we have to realize, well, then what are we, what is the goal of our discussions if it's not landmines everywhere? And the goal of our discussions, especially on this podcast or in any, any events we have, is not about getting everyone to agree with me, right? It's not about getting everyone to agree with anybody. It's about understanding. Like, is it possible that, as I said in the intro, is it possible for us to disagree and still be friends? Is it possible for you that, that I may have that half of these episodes you might disagree with, but the other half speak to your spirit so loudly that you can't, you just can't find yourself not listening? Yeah, that's amazing. It's beautiful. I don't give these podcasts, I don't write, I don't do what I do so that people will agree with me. Because here's the problem. When your goal for discussion is agreement, you've now just put conditions around what things need, what things people need to do before you'll honor them. You know, when you give people conditions for honor, you're essentially putting law on them. You're, you're, you're putting rules and unseen expectations and good grief. I would think you've lived long enough to know how fun it is when somebody has unspoken expectations for you that you don't meet up to. (laughs) We all love that. We love doing it to people and we love having it done to us. It's one of the best things about being human not, right? Unspoken expectations suck really bad. And we could probably have a whole call-in show about unspoken expectations and all the ruined relationships and marriages. And, you know, did you sit down with your spouse before, before you got married and have a full-on discussion about what your expectations were? Uh, my spiritual father, Jimmy Englehart, talks about... Uh, how he realized that he and his wife never had that discussion. And it was years later that they sat down and they had, and they talked about what their expectations were. And now years later, it's funny because so many of them haven't been met. Right. And it's a pretty funny story. But, um, so when you bring in, you must agree with me in order for me to be happy with you, you've put an expectation on them that what are the chances they're going to meet that? What are the chances you agree with yourself from last week? Like if, by the way, if you haven't changed your mind about something this year, I encourage you to examine that because that's scary. Like change your mind about stuff until we all start looking and living and acting like Christ. You got to change your mind and keep changing it and keep growing. Truth is a spiral. It's not a linear staircase that you keep revisiting the same ideas over and over again, but you're at a higher level. So you don't even agree with yourself from last week or, or a month ago or last year. So how is it that you're going to put agreement between you and somebody else before you'll honor them? If it's not agreement, then what is it? Well, as I said, it's understanding. It's honoring people who think differently. And so I want you to do an exercise. If you're driving, clearly don't close your eyes but, or if, whatever if you're working. But consider, imagine a conversation with somebody who believes differently than you when it comes to politics. I use politics right now because it's, it's so easy to feel the energy. You know, if you, if you hate Trump and you got a brother or a brother-in-law or a cousin who loves Trump, right? Imagine having a conversation with them about Trump and about politics or reverse. Maybe you love Obama and you think the, the world truly is coming to an end because of, oh wait, no, that's the same thing. <laughs> Maybe you love Trump and you're, you have a cousin who is uh, totally hates Trump, right? And you think Trump is saving America and you think Trump is making America great again. And your cousin uh, is considering joining Antifa, right? And imagine at Thanksgiving, this is a great time to think about this, that you have to have a conversation with them about politics. Is that not scary as hell? (laughs) Like Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, we all know, dear Lord, do not bring up politics, religion, or sex, because it's not going to go well. 
And what if, and the reason it doesn't go well is because we go into those discussions with agreement as our goal. And you want to convince your brother or your brother-in-law or your cousin that Trump is evil and you don't get it. How on earth can you not see how evil he is? How on earth can you not just know that his agenda is the Antichrist agenda and vice versa? How on earth? Oh my gosh, my sister-in-law thinks Obama's the bomb and oh my gosh, he destroyed our country and he's, and it's only, you know, thank God for Trump. Otherwise we'd be Nazis right now. What, whatever. All the labels and, and bull honky. By the way, I'm very much libertarian. I believe in, in freedom in so many ways because that's what the future looks like. God's not a control freak. I don't think we should be either. Anyway, imagine those conversations instead of agreement as your goal. What if all you wanted to do was try to understand your crazy brother-in-law? Like, not try to get him to agree with you. Just, you think he's so dumb and so stupid and so dangerous. But have you ever tried to just understand him? Because here's what happens when you try to understand. You get to way more nuanced answers. When all you want is agreement, you can stay on the surface. But when you want understanding, you have to go deep. You have to ask them, so why do you think gun control will save us? Right? Why do you think a wall will save us? Why do you think America is even in danger? Can you imagine the difference between those conversations? And sure, it can get a bit heated on the other side, but if you're not trying to convince them of anything, what on earth can they say that's going to make you mad? No, you can say plenty of stuff that'll make them mad, but they're not going to say anything that makes you mad because you're not trying to convince them. I think it's from there that the church has an opportunity to present a third option in our culture right now. And that option is honor. And it's being able to say, yes, my brother-in-law thinks that immigrants are going to destroy our country and that the only way to save it is a wall and guns. And yet, when I listen to his reasons why, maybe he's not as stupid as I thought. He's thought through some things. I disagree with his conclusions, but maybe he's not an idiot. And maybe I can honor him. I can completely disagree with his ideas, but my opinion of his intelligence is no longer as insulting. Maybe he does have his reasons, and then we can dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you'll find, by the way, at the root of every difference at the root of every disagreement, is essentially the same core divergence of belief. And it goes all the way back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At the root of everyone is some variation of God is good, we are not. Or God is good and so are we. The be man's belief about himself is the core foundational seed that creates the fork in the tree. And if you can dig that deep, I guarantee you the ability to honor someone you disagree with becomes so incredibly easy. As a matter of fact, you might even enjoy it. You might even enjoy getting to Thanksgiving dinner with your family and looking forward to a nice, healthy discussion with your crazy brother-in-law. By the way, this is very real for me. I don't know if my younger brother will ever listen to this, this podcast. Um, he's a very passionate believer. He is, uh, he's a pastor. He's, um, as far as I understand, he's, he's pretty much mostly a Calvinist. And he has sets of beliefs that go so divergent to mine. It's, you would, you, it's amazing that we both grew up in the same system. We were very, very, very close for uh, all through my high school and college. He's six years younger than me. And when my journey towards New Age Christianity began, I had no idea what to call it. I had no idea where I was headed. When my journey began, he felt so strongly that I was headed down the wrong path that he wrote a letter to me and he 
followed what he believed to be the scriptural principles for breaking fellowship for anybody who's in apostasy. And he even said, he can't, you know, can't sit down and, you know, don't even break bread with those people, as Paul talks about. And he told me he couldn't even break bread with me. Um, it was a very painful letter, uh, and it was unfair given where I was and where things were at. And over the next, over the last 10 years, he and I uh, have rebuilt relationship from that low point to where, uh, if you ask my wife, the last time we got together for last Thanksgiving, this time, last year, um, we were up till 3, 4, 5 a.m. in the morning, three, four days straight. Um, and my wife, she's heard me discuss faith and Christianity and spirituality with thousands of people. And it was the only time she's ever stayed up with me till five in the morning listening because she heard two people who, and my brother's just like me. He doesn't believe his stuff halfway or unknowingly. He has searched it out. And we have been able to get to the point where I look forward to talking to my brother about Christianity. I look forward to talking to him. We have such an amazing divergence of opinion. I believe that humanity is good and that we are just like God. And he believes that we we will never be, you know, we were designed to not be like God. Um, and the idea that we are God just like blows his mind. But he's respecting me enough to believe that. By the way, I realize I need to explain that. This is episode number three. We are God in the flesh. We are the body of Christ. Okay. I'm not the universal mind that knows everything. Um, so there's, if anything's true, there's a way in which it is true. And yes, the scripture to me is very clear that we are the body of God. Without us, he doesn't have one. So in this realm, in the realm of physical, we are God. Um, and we serve a higher realm just like Jesus did. Anyway, <laughs> if that flipped a trigger or if that flipped a breaker for you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Um, anyway. So I love talking to my brother about these things because we've both learned how to honor each other. Um, I had to learn too. I mean, I think coming from the system he came from, it took a little bit longer for him to figure out how to do that. But um, he has. He's figured it out how to listen to me and not get mad or not be offended because he knows who he is and I know who I am, which now leads me to number three. The third key to not being an ass in a culture of honor is know who you are. If ideas threaten you, if things I say, like me, just, oh, you know, thank you, Spirit. I feel like that's probably why I slipped and said that. Or I said, you know, to, to believe that we are God blows his mind, right? That threatened him. That was the threat to him, my brother, for six years. And you know how he got over that being a threat? It was not because he agrees with me now. It's but because he became so sure in what he believes that me being wrong doesn't scare him, right? The only way that things offend you, the only way that you get mad in, an, in a discussion, the only way that you play a part in your culture that... Uh, I mean, I don't know how else to say it other than energetically. We all know those people who, they're hot buttons, right? They have an anger button or they have an offended button or they have a, a prove it button. Um, when you have those buttons, what it really means is that you don't know who you are or you at least don't believe it to your core. It comes back to you're the ugliest dolphin I've ever seen. Like, I'm not a dolphin. Don't need to be offended. Don't need to convince you that I'm not a dolphin. As a matter of fact, I know I'm a human, right? And that is the ultimate conclusion of these other two is when you're offended, are you going to try to, you know, it, it kind of works its way down the scale to the ultimate reality is you need to know who you are. And if you're not secure in your identity, then you're going to be threatened by ideas constantly. Political ideas religious ideas, sexual ideas, pro professional ideas, right? Um, do you, are you in a place of work where the new guy shows up and you're, and you're threatened? Well, then you're clearly not secure in your position. I mean, we instinctively know that. 
if you play sports, you know, if you're younger or, or in college or professional sports and, you know, somebody gets brought onto the team and they're in the same position as you, are you threatened? Because if so, that shows you you're not secure in your position. And so that's a very external evidence of how that happens with beliefs and how that happens with emotions, where you're only threatened by somebody else's ideas when you're not secure in your own. And beyond that, there's a skill. So when you get secure in your ideas, well done, congratulations. You should stay secure in those ideas, but now don't become so secure that you stop growing, which I'm not, that's, that's probably a whole nother episode. And in some ways it doesn't need to even be an episode for this community. Growth is absolutely part of our DNA. So none of this is set in stone. Well, some of it's set in stone just because it's been so vetted, such as Christ is, is non-negotiable. And I promise you it's not in the way that you think he's non-negotiable. Um, substitutionary atonement and all that stuff, uh, penal substitution. Um, those ideas don't fly here. Uh, but nonetheless, the conclusion is Christ is non-negotiable, right? Our position in the Godhead is non-negotiable and the value of the body is non-negotiable. Um, but for the most part, I can still discuss it. I'm just not going to negotiate it, but I'll discuss it. And because uh, I'm so sure in that, it doesn't threaten me when somebody says, no, we're not God. No, we, you know, Christ did get murdered so that dad wouldn't murder you. You know, fine, let's have those discussions. I, You're not going to tell me anything I haven't looked at 50,000 times. But that's what it is. It's knowing who you are. And so that it's not just a threat to your ideas, but it's also a threat to your ways. When you say, oh, I think a great discussion on this one is homosexuality. Right? I have my opinions about homosexuality as far as its place in the natural order of things. But... If you're a homosexual, I still love you. I don't really care what you do with your private parts. Sorry. And for those Christians out there who want me to care, you should examine why you want me to care. Because that's like a three-way weirdness of ideas and beliefs that, oh my gosh, I'm so offended that Rob Bell isn't mad at homosexuals. What? First of all, homosexual lifestyle has nothing to do with you. Theirs has nothing to do with you. And secondly, Rob Bell's belief about that also has nothing to do with you. So you're extending your offense like three layers out and it's three layers of insanity. I get it. If you've got some beliefs about whether or not it's sin or whether or not it's healthy or whether or not it's natural, but who gives a rip to the point where, because God doesn't, because he ain't controlling it either. You realize that? Like, the things we want to control, God has deemed un, in, unimportant enough to control them. I don't know if an unimportant is the right word, but think about it. If it was that big of a deal, wouldn't God stop it? Especially if you're one of those people that believes God is the control freak in the sky. So you can't hold both of those beliefs. And then impart your system onto somebody else's system. You either have to believe God is a control freak or God is not a control freak. And from there, are you going to follow suit? Are you going to be control freak for God? Because that's where most Christians fall, right? They think God is one, so they, be, they, they decide to step in. So those, you know, the Westboro Baptists of the world, they're actually, they're congruent with their beliefs, where they think God's a control freak and that that's their job to to manifest that control. But a lot of Christians, they've learned that God isn't a control freak. You know why? Because they make mistakes in their own lives and God just loves them anyway. Right? So they've learned, well, God's not a control freak because I mess up, but I should make sure nobody else does because I'm a control freak. And really what it is, is just, you're in, <laughs> just stop it. You're just insecure in who you are. You're feeling threatened. You 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 don't know that your you don't know that you know that you know that your beliefs are right. You don't know that you are safe in your beliefs and that God is happy with your beliefs. And it's just different layers of threat. And so the three keys to not being an ass, 
really are all about you, right? They're not about skills on how to please other people. I didn't come here and say, if you don't want to be an ass, you should learn how to mirror other people. Like those are all great skills, NLP and, 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 and habits of successful people. And everything. those are great. I believe in a culture, the, the most surefire way to, to develop a culture of honor is for all of us to learn how to deal with our own crap. And these are the three tools that I use daily. Number one, I'll just go over them again. If you're offended, it's your fault. So you view offense as a gift and learn how to assume the best, especially from those who love you and you know that they love you. And if you assume the best, even if it takes you a couple days to realize, wait a minute, they probably don't mean it the way I'm feeling it. You'll be amazed at how much easier it is to go to them and say, hey, this really hurt me. I'm not mad anymore, but you need to know, please don't do that again because I, I know you love me, right? So if you're offended, it's your fault. Arguments or discussions are not about agreement. They're about understanding. Uh, we don't go, we're not trying to build a community of agreement. We're trying to build a community of understanding, a community of honor, a community of hope, a community of purpose. Um, nowhere in there is agreement. Um, there's 12 tribes in the Bible for a reason because we all have to make up one nation and uh, it takes different strokes. You, you're passionate about things I'm not passionate about. You see, you have lenses for life and politics and, and what's right and wrong that I don't have. And is it okay that you think these are the answers for the world? Yeah, because that's your calling. Because your those are the answers you need to do what you were called to do. So I would kind of be worried if you if everyone cared about what I cared about, because there'd be heck of a lot of stuff that got left undone. So, and then third, know who you are. Knowing who you are makes you immovable by other people and other people's light. This is, this is a cool, I'm going to end on this, right? This is a, is a bit of a philosophical way to see it, but we all have our own I amness. I am Austin. I am male. I am six foot three. You know, I am getting in good shape. I am starting a podcast. All my things that I am. And my wife has the things that she is, right? She's a chef. You know, she's, she's a female. She's beautiful. I'm not so beautiful, but I'm handsome. If, you, if you're only listening, you should know I'm really handsome. But my wife is way more beautiful than I am handsome. So anyway, these, we all have our I amness. And if we were the only thing in existence and the only one in existence, the definition of six foot three would be meaningless because there's no, there's no such thing as six foot two or anything else. Everything is six foot three because I am everything. But because other people exist and other things exist, their I amness actually frames ours. And this is what it means for somebody's light Somebody else's I amness actually illuminates things that I am not, right? And so I actually need I am notness in order to know what I am. I need to know that there is a woman in, in, in the universe for me to know that I'm a man. Otherwise, if all there is is me, there's neither male nor female, there's just me. And so my wife's I amness illuminates everything that I am not. And in other words, and in biblical language, her light shines on my darkness. And that's a beautiful thing. Her light and the things that she is illuminate the things in me that I am not, and I don't get threatened by it because I know what I am. And so when you understand who you are, other people's I amness doesn't threaten you. It actually frames you. It actually sets you up for a more sure version of your identity. So when you get offended, let it shine on your darkness and don't get scared about it. If you want to change it and you want to make it light, great. That's your prerogative. That's the beauty of growth because your light is always expanding. But if you don't, then leave it and don't get mad at the other person for being them. That is how we build a culture of honor. That is how we create a culture that then can go into the world and teach. I think it's an older skill. I don't think it's always been gone. 
But for whatever reason, we have lost the skill of being in disagreement and still remaining friends. We've lost these arts and these, these nuances of, of relationship. And I'm hoping New Age Christianity can be one of many that, that begin to turn this around. And this is not about debasing of self or denying self. Right? This is actually embracing self. This is actually embracing who you are so that you can then be free to embrace everyone else. Take care of the inside of the cup. The outside will take care of itself. Do unto others as you would do unto yourself. So if you can't love yourself, you can't love others. This idea is not new. For whatever reason, it's just hard to grasp in our culture. So I hope this helps, guys. Um, as always, thank you for your time. Um, so there's a few things coming up with the, the, the community, New Age Christian community, that I'm excited to announce. One is, now that the podcast is up and running, the next thing I'm working on is I'll be launching a, uh, an intensive study group. We'll have a weekly call, a video call. Um, it'll be for those of you who, specifically those of you who have deep questions that, um, you know, the podcast only has a certain format where we can't really get deep into typologies and Bible verses and everything. Um, and we'll get there, but we just can't go deep, right? Can't go deep into preterism because it's just, it can get a bit boring. But some of you really want that stuff. So I'm going to be starting this group. It'll be a paid group. There'll be different levels that you can subscribe to. Um, the very least, you know, it would be a weekly meeting. And if you want more engagement, that'll be available. And then um, I keep forgetting to ask, but if you would consider donating, you know, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. There's a donate link uh, right on the sidebar on the website. There's a donate link on the Facebook page. If you haven't followed us on Facebook, uh, New Age Christianity is our group name. Um, more and more of this stuff will be popping up there. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that these tools will continue to give you what you need and help this community grow. Uh, love you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week on the next episode.